0: This is Jim Simovan, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast.
1: Did you know that podcast advertising is way more effective than display advertising? With 67% of listeners remembering brands and 63% making a purchase after hearing them. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster's Creator Network makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters. Zencaster's mission is to make podcast advertisements as easy and accessible to business owners as Google or Facebook. Host-read ads like this are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique to them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Zencaster's Creator Network is the perfect place for you to get into podcast ads and sponsor your favourite creators like me. That's the number one, or click the link in the description and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. My name is Andy, and a huge show for you as we move into October. I'd like to welcome a gentleman with more than 25 years of experience in the senior intelligence service and a co-founder of To The Stars, and currently it's serving vice president of operations, Mr. Jim Semivan. Jim, welcome to the podcast.
0: Well, Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy, for having me. I, I appreciate it.
1: Uh, Listen, you are on the bucket list of guests I wanted on the podcast, so it's another name I can tick off along the way. So uh, let's get right into this. Your time is precious. Lots of people want to hear from you. And I want to give the listener questions at the end as much time as possible as well. Uh, Jim, for anyone who isn't too familiar with your background, do you mind just giving us a Cliff Notes version of that for the listeners?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm a pretty normal life. I I grew up in northeastern Ohio, uh, went to Ohio State. Um, uh, I I, I grew up in a Catholic household, I I might might, uh, might say, uh, too. Uh, I uh, went to Ohio State, got a BA in English literature, and then went back thinking I wanted to be a teacher. I got a, a BS in secondary education. And then it was. I decided, no, 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 I really want to be a poet uh, and a writer. So I went to San Francisco uh, to join the writing program uh, at San Francisco State, and uh, I graduated from there with a with an MA in English literature. But I I, I didn't graduate in the in the uh, writing program. I wasn't that good. I mean, I was a good writer, but I wasn't a good poet. So so um. And then uh, it was really right after that that I uh, joined. Uh, I was going to go on for my doctorate. Um, uh, but decided back in that day, uh, this is around eighty eighty one. 81, uh, you know, most, most uh, English professors were driving taxi cabs. So I opted for uh, the intelligence service for CIA and then joined them. And I believe 1982, um, first tour overseas in the Middle East. And then from there, uh, you know, uh, a lot of headquarters assignments, overseas assignments, uh, assignments throughout the United States. So had a great career, 25 years, took a little time off uh, after I retired, about nine months, went back, worked for the director uh, for about a, a year, and then later uh, uh, part-time for 12 years with the Directorate of Science and Technology in C.I.A.
1: For many of us, Jim, you came into existence in 2017. Uh, as to two the yeah, as to the stars came to prominence. Now, uh, my first question, and I want to start on to the stars and and to the stars Academy of Arts and Science, as part of it was formerly known. Um, I don't usually ask questions this long, but this one's got a little bit of a run-up, so forgive me. So the formation and restructure of Two of The Stars Academy has, at this point, been very well documented. However, starting there, I want to get your point of view of the company from you joining in 2017 to present day, where you are still the Vice President of Operations, you have recently said that you initially refused the invite from Tom DeLonge to join, citing it seemed more of entertainment-based and that wasn't something you were necessarily interested in. However, fast forward five years, uh, things have almost come full circle, where due to various factors, including COVID and funding of the research and development aspect of To The Stars being, being not what was required, it was shelved. What have you seen in that time in that five years that has kept you a part of the company when others have left
0: uh well first of all the, the, the yeah that's essentially correct uh, what you said a uh, uh, pretty good summation of where we've been in the last five years, <clears throat> some of the people that have left left for very particular reasons uh which uh, I can't get into for personnel matters uh but they were really legitimate reasons people had to move on they wanted to move on, and that's fine. I understand that. But when the pandemic hit, it sort of threw everything into a disarray. Um, We have sort of shelved our R&D program for the time being. Uh, It's still there. Uh, We still have a lot going on. We're still working with the Army Combat Capabilities uh, Command. Um, They're still investigating metamaterials at their labs. Um, We have probably two or three other projects. We're working with them. They're they're. Going through the science right now, so that's not all dead. It's just sort of, sort of in the background. But it became apparent uh, right after COVID. Um, you know, even the army, you know, had to shut down. Nobody was meeting or doing anything. So uh, uh, some of our investors, our larger investors that we were hoping would come on, did not. Um, this is fine. Uh, we're doing pretty well as a company. You know, I think we're revenues are over about 200, uh, over, over about, excuse me, 2 million a year in, in revenues. Most of that goes for operations though. An extraordinary amount of money goes to uh, just the lawyers. Well, we have a lot of IP, intellectual property, and then we have uh, employees uh, that we, we pay well and um, uh, you know we look after. So we're doing well. We're in the black. Uh, we're not making a lot of money right now. But uh tom is is leading us through to this entertainment thing uh where where i initially didn't want to go that route but i realized <clears throat> probably within a, a year after joining uh, uh to the stars inc and it's now called to the stars by the way we changed the name about a year ago <clears throat> and um i realized that it takes an extraordinary amount of money to uh, uh do what we wanted to do we thought that we would have a lot of public support, and and we did. We have about four thousand investors now, but they're small investors, um, which we like. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad they're there because they're all part of the part of the team with us. Um, but it takes an enormous sum of money uh, to uh, do some of the projects we wanted to do, um, and that was an eye opener for all of us. Uh, so we brought on uh, onto our board. A uh, a a financial guru, a wizard, uh, Chris Meiser, who's just wonder- wonderful. He's the CEO of Averis Capital, and he's been very very helpful to us. And then uh, recently, more recently, Stan Spry, who's the uh, president of uh, Cartel Productions, and they do lots and lots of movies. So he's been very helpful. Uh, and we, ha- you know, we just sold, uh, well, sold uh, Legendary Pictures, the ones who just did Dune. You know, bought bought into the options for uh, the Secret Machines uh, Fiction Trilogy. Uh, we've sold an animated series that has nothing to do with UFOs uh, uh, to a, a streaming service uh, just recently. And we have about a dozen other projects, entertainment projects, in varying levels of production right now. So, And then uh, the movie uh, Monsters of California is uh, pretty much out of post-production. It's being uh, uh, sold Hopefully, uh, there's a few uh, uh, services that are talking to us right now, wanting to buy the picture. So that's sort of where we are at the moment.
1: So uh, the animation is Breaking Bear, which, like you say, has nothing to do with the, the UFO conversation right. and more of a, a fun side project that Tom, no doubt, is, has come up with. And it's like Bears, Breaking Bad, that sort of thing. And that that's something people can look forward to. Putting that aside, you see it's exciting to hear Lionsgate have picked up the option for Secret Machines, very popular set of books or audio books for many. And also the Monsters in California piece that we're hoping comes out sooner than later as well. What should excite people most about the potential of those media projects and the impact those can have on the overall UFO conversation, as well as being, you know, media releases?
0: That's a very good question. You know, we like to we like to say, TT Asset. You know, we what, the projects that we we do, we work on that have to do with uh, UAPs um, and the phenomenon in general. They really come from what we call informed science or informed opinions. And mainly because most of the people that work there, you know, worked for the government or had some kind of relationship with the government. Uh, we were involved early on in this, um, sort of have a, a pretty good idea. Most of us have been researching this for 30, 40 years. So we have a unique perspective, I think, on 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 this phenomenon. We certainly don't have all the answers um, uh, and we can't discuss classified material, uh, certainly, but we can sort of move it, move the, uh, hopefully the conversation in the right direction. Uh, I think some of the projects that we have, we're working on right now, we've hired some really top flight uh, screenwriters and, uh, we're working on getting financing for them now. Uh, I think you'll see a, um, uh, hopefully a, a different take on, on, this phenomenon and, and what we think it might, might, might be now that now, because there'll be movies, there has to be some dramatic license, right. And some poetic license yeah. we have to take. Uh, certainly, um, uh, we're focusing on entertainment mostly because as, as Tom pointed out in many discussions that we had, he said, look, if we want to do what we want to do really want to do research, we really need to have the funding coming in, and the only way to do that—the best way to do that right now—is through the entertainment portion, uh, because that has the possibility to create uh, uh, revenue. Uh, we're a public benefit corporation, which means that you know I think anywhere from ten to fifteen percent of our profits um, should go into uh, uh, public benefit, uh, or, you know, organizations, and we do that right now. I mean, with the money we make too, we do some local charity work and uh, uh, we're, we're associated with one tribe um, trying to save the rainforest in the Amazon things along those lines. So, but we're looking forward to having the kind of money and the kind of profits that we'll be able to go back and get scout and vault and some of the, um, uh, you know, AI uh, directed database uh, research um, tools, get those up and running. They're extraordinarily expensive to, to run. And um, so we're, but they're all set up and um, ready to roll. So like most UFO organizations or UAP organizations that are out there, and I don't know one of them that has any money or a lot, a lot of money. Most of them don't. Um, uh, you know, they have some funding, but a million dollars doesn't amount to much $5 million, maybe, but you really, you know, to do what you really want to do and, and to get things moving, you need a considerable amount of money. You need to have the money that SETI, you know, had from Yuri Milner, you know, $100 million over a period of years to do their investigation. Um, until we get something close to that, um, and not just our organization, any organization, you're not going to see too much private headway. All right. Um, you know, the, the, the funding, what, what, what all there is, you know, usually comes from the government and that goes to the government. It doesn't go to the private sector on this except for defense contractors obviously so
1: it's good to hear those those apps like vault and scout are still there, still in the background and that's the kind of things people are hoping come out of of to the stars as well you do mention that informed science uh hopefully giving direction to some of the media projects and you can't obviously discuss classified information on that i want to just briefly talk about your colleague tom delong there have been many occasions over the last five years, where online via social media or on any number of appearances, Tom has discussed some pretty wild ideas. And I wonder, has there ever been a time, Jim, you've had to give him a friendly reminder of where that line is and what he can and can't say out out in public?
0: Well, I mean, we we never tell Tom what he can and can't say. I mean, Tom is Tom, and um, he's an extraordinarily bright guy. He reads. Uh, you know, voraciously on this topic, he knows a lot of people. He's met a lot of people. Um, uh, I, I'm actually in awe of what he, ha- what he has done before I even met him. Uh, you know, when I really sort of learned about what he was, what he had been up to, but no, he has his own opinions on this. And, and he's certainly allowed to say that, uh, say whatever he wants to say. Um, uh, I, uh, w- we have talked as a company, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not in our best interest as a company for me or Tom or anybody else in the company to come out and make a statement about, you know, what the phenomenon is. Uh, we really don't know. I mean, our goal really is to figure out what it is and, and to get that information out. So uh, I think we do a pretty good job of caveating what we say. I mean, if Tom, you know, or me uh, or anybody wanted to talk about, you know, uh you know, extraterrestrials or different types of species, you know, perfectly fine. But you have to caveat that with, well, you know, we've, we heard, or we think, or there's this, you know, there's this talk about blah, 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 but we can't make any definitive kind of comments on what is real and what is not real. It's just because nobody knows. Well, I shouldn't say, there's probably somebody who knows maybe, but um, I'm not betting on it, to be honest with you, based on my knowledge
1: sure and speculation can be fun and it is nice to see someone like tom come out and, and and do that i'm someone who doesn't mind a bit of speculation it can be healthy
0: i agree and uh you know and tom's imagination is just amazing and uh you know having having watched him up close working um not only in his musical you know uh affairs but also with the company i mean he's a he's a very strong leader and uh I've seen the best. I used to teach leadership. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about. He's a, he's a pretty, pretty cool guy. And uh, um, um, I think he's just the type of guy that, that, that can move this forward. As a matter of fact, I mean, the FBI contacted him, of all people. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if he's actually addressed them yet, but he's planning on doing that. And they want to know, well, how did you get this, this topic into the forefront? Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people have tried. Good Lord, we've had so many good people uh, out there. You can name them. You know, dozens of them had been working on this, but Tom was able to break through. I think it was the right person at the right time uh, for him. Uh, but Tom and myself and everybody else at TTS acknowledge, you know, the work of you know Jacques Vallee and and uh, George Knapp and uh, John Alexander, uh, Richard Dolan. I mean, you you can you can go you can go right down the list. Kit Green, who've spent decades looking at this, and these are the guys that, uh, and women, you know, Linda Moulton Howe, I mean, there's so many of them, uh, who spent uh, a good portion of their lives doing this. We're, 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 uh, we're pikers uh, compared to them. We truly are. I mean, they, these, these are the cream of the crop. And um, i look at a guy like George Knapp, who I had the pleasure of meeting about a year or two ago, and uh, just a, a very straight up guy who's done some great investigative work, Bob Bigelow, Colm Kelleher, you know, um, you could get Jim Lekatsky, you know, from the original ISAP program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are the people that really deserve most of the credit.
1: Well, listen, I don't want to talk too much about Tom DeLonge because Tom's not here to do that. Maybe one day he will be. That's no doubt something you can give a heads up with. But I think everyone asks you, Jim, to tell Tom to come on their podcast. So I'll I'll hope when he does a a media run for Monsters in California that he's more open to interviews. Uh, Many of us would like to speak to him. But there are just a couple of things Tom has said. I'd love to get your opinion on, at least. Um, Tom has mentioned in the past that he had a meeting with a general who told him that uh, it was the Cold War and we found a life form? I wonder, have you heard that story? Um, have you met the general, and what are your impressions?
0: Yes, I've heard the story. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I believe it is true. Uh, and here's what's interesting, Tom. Before I met with Tom, Tom had a had a group of advisors, and I, I think he mentioned that there were like ten of them.
1: Um,
0: the Russian, you know, email purge or the hack. You know, it revealed Podesta, I think, uh, General, uh, Air Force General, which is his name, uh, McCaff. no, not McCaffrey, uh, Mc- uh, McCaslin, General McCaslin. Yes. Yep. And there was another one, McCrary, I think. Those are the only three that I know. Tom has never told me or anybody else, to my knowledge, who these other advisors are. Do they exist? Absolutely. How do I know? Because I guess two of them um who two former very high level cia uh officers who, whom i know so and um and there was another one and I, I i sort of put two and two together and somebody else mentioned uh to me that yeah that's probably who it was but but we don't i don't i don't test tom on this tom tom has been told you know Tom has talked to these people and told them he's not interested in classified information, but he has a story he wants to tell and he wants to get behind it and he wants to get as close to the truth as possible without crossing that line. I think he's done an exceptional job. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I hate to sound like an apologist for Tom, but he did it the right way. And, and people really respected that. And, uh, and to this day, um, you know, Tom, Tom has got a lot of respect within government circles.
1: Babbel is one of today's sponsors, and they are the best way for you to begin to learn a new language. Immersing yourself in the language of your choice from day one through a whole range of learning styles, including podcasts, games, and online classes. It's available on desktop or through their app, Babble's courses are created by didactics, experts and focus on real life situations. So if you're holidaying in France and spot a UFO, you can get locals attention quickly and efficiently. The lessons are as short as 15 minutes and fit into any schedule and can be downloaded to work on offline while on the go. With the help of everyday dialogue exercises and the speech recognition software, learners can practice their pronunciation and regular vocabulary repetition ensures that what is learned is memorised over the long term. I can already hear some of you listeners getting in touch to tell me I should really learn English given my dodgy accent. When you buy a six-month subscription to Babbel, you receive six months extra for free by using the code zen.ai forward slash UFO Babel. that's B A B B E L. Pay for six months and learn for a whole year. Get info and redeem the code at babbel.com forward slash audio. Folks, today is the day you finally decide to make a life-changing decision and learn that new language. Yeah, no one's infallible and at the end of the day, everyone involved in this topic from high level to low level are human beings and people can make mistakes or trip along the way, but there's no doubt... Tom has brought the conversation. He is a large part in bringing the conversation to where it is today. And people like myself sitting here with a podcast and and an audience of whatever size are are here because of Tom DeLonge and to the stars and what happened in 2017. So I've got to thank him for that. So, you know, I bought a hoodie. That's that's what you do. Um, Yeah. 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 And I've got the stickers up here as well, but people never see those. Um, However, one more thing I want to get your opinion on, Jim, is Tom has a lot of ideas about the phenomenon and they're fascinating to listen to. Um, Namely, he's talked about consciousness being everywhere and that our bodies, our brains potentially are just antennas for that consciousness. He said that this world can be influenced by our thoughts and we can manifest and create reality. What are your thoughts on that statement? Because that's one that really resonated with me.
0: Yeah, I I pretty much agree um um with that. Um Tom and I have had uh, god countless discussions at all hours of the day and night um about the phenomenon. What it what it could what it could mean, uh what what it constitutes. I think Tom's has come to the conclusion like I have and I think Lou Elizondo had mentioned this to me earlier when I when I chatted with him in the in the beginning days. I you know I asked Lou. I said where, where do you think this, where where, where do you think this originates? Um, um, and he said most likely be in the nexus between you know quantum mechanics and consciousness. And um, I think that's probably the best um, explanation I've heard so far. Now. You know, also, I mean, I, I look at, you know, the person I think we respect the absolute most, you know, the the um, God figure of TTS and probably always will be is probably much to his chagrin, I might add, is, is Jacques Vallée. And I think um, I am a huge a fan of his and I, I follow his lead most of the time uh, because I think he's correct. Um, I think it is, uh, and I think Tom does too. In some forms, it's, it's some type of uh, in, uh, intellect, some type of control mechanism, and it's been with us forever. It's been on the planet; it's part of it. I know Whitley Strieber and, and Jeff Krepel wrote a wonderful book called Supernatural, and it's. A, I recommend it to people who, if you haven't read it, you should read it. It's, it's absolutely beautifully written by both of them, and they talk about this—the uh, fact that. You know, we shouldn't be looking at it as a para or a super anything. It it really is part of our our world. It's part of our nature. We just don't understand it uh, because we keep looking at things. We prejudge it, this phenomenon, all the time. It's, you know, we're looking at at it anthropomorphically. We're looking at it through a lens, uh, through our filter, through our brain, which we know doesn't allow very much in, you know, very little of the hearing spectrum, very little of the visual spectrum. It can't take in everything, so it's out there. We just can't quite grasp it. Um, I think Jock makes that case when he said, "You know, it, you know, it, it could be extraterrestrial, but it could also be something that's part of us." Uh, Jung took a stab at it by saying it was, uh, you know, an indication of the um, possibly the psychic disequilibrium. You know of the planet, and and that was a projection coming from our, from our collective unconscious. I'm probably screwing that up a little bit, but I don't think so. But but yeah, I mean, it's I I, I don't know, it, it could be. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, you know, it, everybody's guess uh, right now is you know sort of upper grabs. Uh, Tom's read it all. Tom's talked to everybody. He's talked to the people that were the leading um, uh, purveyors of you know uh, of whatever. Uh, thought processes were going on at the moment, so he's very familiar with everything that's going on as with as with me and everybody else. we just can't put our finger on it a guy like stephen greer um uh, who's an interesting guy he's done so much good work um i don't just i don't disagree with a lot of what he says, but I do disagree with you know the fact that you know he's saying like well you know these could be these are good for humanity the phenomenon is you know is something that uh, probably beneficial we shouldn't look at it in a negative way um uh, I think that um I think that that's probably not what i uh would consider wise only in the sense that and this is probably coming from my intelligence background I'm naturally cautious uh until we really know what something is let's let's uh let's let's investigate it let's figure it out I mean, we don't. We do. We don't. We know one thing for sure, right? We know it is deceitful as hell. We know it lies to us. Um, uh, we know it hasn't introduced itself formally to us, but it's been around since recorded history and probably before. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? Um, is it like um, you know John Keel says, this big cosmic joke? This is why I always bring up the, the gin. You know, because the gin to me are the closest. You know, rendition. I think we have to. You know, these kind of beings that are a lot like us, but at the same time, they're playful. They can be playful. They can be good. They can be bad. They can also be deceitful. And um, there's a trickster element, you know, involved in all this. Uh, You know, native native tribes. You know, North American. You know, South American. You know, Australian. They all talk about this the same thing. Uh, shape-shifting things along those lines.
1: Just let stop me say... not me, um, me
0: if I ramble because I have a tendency to, to be discursive and I, I I try to catch myself.
1: No, listen, my problem is I forget I'm hosting the podcast and start listening like I'm a listener and I'm waiting on a host coming in and asking a really good question. So yeah, just uh, if I forget to come in, just to ignore me. Um, Listen, you, you mentioned Whitley Strieber uh, and also Jacques Vallée. And by pure happenstance, uh, the guest preceding your appearance will be Whitley Strieber. People will have heard that one already. And the guest who will follow you on the week after is also Jacques Vallée. So there's some, some great company you're, you're keeping there, folks, uh, for the month of October. It's, oh, a, it's yes. a big month. Um, listen, but uh, you mentioned jinn. Let, let's get into that now. You've mentioned there the, the trickster element of this phenomenon. Um, can you just elaborate where the idea of jinn comes from? And it's old religious texts, isn't it? It's been written about in the Arabic world.
0: Yes, uh, it, 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 yeah, it, it's mostly Arabic. And I think it goes, uh, they're pre-Islamic. Um, uh, I don't know if they were called jinn back at that time, but the the Quran does devote some time to it. Um, um, I'm in the middle of doing uh, reading a couple academic books on it right now. It's a little hard going, uh, but the problem the problem with it is 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 the same problem you know we have with uh, the uh, you know ancient. Um, uh, religious texts, the Western religion, well, actually the Eastern, Middle Eastern religious texts. Um, there's not, there's just enough information to whet your appetite, not enough information to make anything, uh, you know, solid, uh, that you can lay your hands on. I mean, I remember reading a book by, um, Mary Ellen Guiley and then uh, I think Philip Imbronio, um, On the jinn, and uh, I thought it was a reasonably good book, and um, and they talked about, you know, the the big there was a big hole in the ground in Saudi Arabia. I don't know where it's in some wadi, someplace where the jinn supposedly reside, and there's a guardian there that 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 looks after it. And um, but uh, there's not enough information to really direct us one way or the other. It's um, it's part of the phenomenon. I think that doesn't allow it allows just enough information to whet our appetite but not enough to uh, make anything uh, any kind of definitive you know statement about it. Um, the gin only you know to me is only of interest because it's just an ad- another avenue to explore but I don't think it's any different from from what the uh, you know Native Americans believe uh or what the indigenous uh people in South America believed uh, uh either. I mean, you know, they, they call it by different names. Um so I mean it's it's fascinating stuff, but it's a wilderness of mirrors, as they say.
1: Well, I've I've heard you say, Jim, that even though you've got a Catholic background, you're not religious yourself. And that's, that's the way I would say about myself as well. And I can look on these various religions now, and I think many of these labels that we hear of angels, demons, spirits, are very much just that. They are labels for something that at the time was, was misunderstood or not understood in the same way we look at AT, non-human intelligence, extraterrestrial beings, interdimensional beings. I just wonder on that it's still speaking about jin have you seen any direct evidence that jin are real beings and not just some kind of metaphor or energy
0: no no i mean no i can honestly say that uh no uh, i mean uh, there's the 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 information that does exist out there that i've seen on jin you know it, it to me is is weak i mean it's 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 um it's second hand third hand there's nothing definitive out there. I mean, I, I, I mean, you say the same about angels, right? Um, and I, you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, when Mary, you know, the Virgin Mary, uh, you know, had a visit, I think, by Gabriel to announce the birth, you know, of of, of Christ, um, uh, the Annunciation, and um, and and then you know, visits, quote unquote, by angels throughout the Bible. I mean, it's fascinating when you think about it. I mean, you know, the angels, they describe them as angels, you know, when they're looking at them in a religious context. But could they be beings, other beings, you know, that just come in and, and, and uh, make whatever statement they want to make? You know, it seems to me, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, uh, that it, the, this phenomenon has made incredible impressions on our culture and uh our, and our, our, our cultural beliefs uh was religion you know uh basically instituted based on people's experiences with this phenomenon certainly when you look at mormonism you know part, it's probably the most recent example um fascinating stuff i mean you know the, the you know Joseph Smith, uh, a young man who's had visitations before. Finally, he goes out in the woods. He meets the angel Moroni, and you know the visitations start a religion. In, in now, was it was it the case where uh, the being or the angel is giving him information that is true or accurate, or was it just another basically lie? So Don't know.
1: Do you think, on that then, that these otherworldly entities, whatever they may be, have had a hand in creating humanity as we know it today?
0: It's certainly a possibility. Um, you know that. Um, you know when you go back to, I think it was uh, Crick, the guy who invented it, he uh, Watson in and Crick. The, the, I think it was Crick who was the one who just discussed panspermia, that notion that you know the Earth was basically seeded, uh, you know, by uh, well. By anybody, I mean he doesn't really know. It could have been from meteors. It could have been from another uh, uh, another civilization. Uh, our, our our problem is, and it always has been, is that we're living in a world um, that's uh, our universe, our view of the universe, I should say, is rather constrained. Right? We 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 just can't seem to get into uh, we're in self-consciousness but we can't seem to get into something that allows us to you know uh see it all right um and it all depends on your point of view uh you know the point of view of a of a small animal or an insect is a lot different from our point of view and our point of view may be as primitive as their point of view is regarding what the universe is actually about these are the kind of questions you know this is sort of funny i've walked away from this topic many times Because I find myself, you know, uh, basically having the same damn discussions I had when I was a sophomore in college, you know, and these bullshit sessions, you know, at night talking about philosophy and with a couple of guys, you're having a beer, you know what I mean? You're talking about it and you're up to four in the morning trying to solve, solve these kind of issues that have actually no resolution to them at all. They're rather insoluble. Well, I find myself, you know, coming back to it. Now I have more information now and sometimes the arguments arguments are a bit more academic and they're, they're fascinating. Uh, but when you, when you get a guy like Keel, you know, John Keel, who I, I admire, you know, quite a bit where he just basically throws up his hands and said, Hey, it's probably an, just a big cosmic joke. It's just a big put on. And, you know, and, and they're not going to tell us anything. And, um, you know, you, you, you think when these people that have go through abduction experiences and um, the entities will tell them things, um, their lives change uh, mostly for the better, I might, I might say some, some not some, I think a, a smaller percentage, probably under 10% have a very difficult time with this. I know a few of them had a very difficult time with this, both physically and mentally. But when you, when you look at this, I, um, uh, you know, I, you have to ask yourself, what are they by doing this? What are they? What are they trying to create, or what are they trying to tell us? And um, for some people, for instance, with me, my experience, it didn't change me. I, I had been studying this for a long time. I was a, and I still remain a true believer in, in the idea that yes, this exists. So I was wondering why would, why would these entities, or whatever the hell it was, this phenomenon you know invade my life cause me and my wife distress and um uh and basically leave us with no explanation whatsoever i don't know uh you know and there's a there's a little bit of there's a lot of curiosity a little bit of anger associated with that just like i think uh, and i have friends of mine who feel the same way if it affects your loved ones you know it's not funny there's no humorous aspect to this um so You have to ask yourself, well, people people will say like, you know how, you know, when they always say, you know, you know, why did, why does God act the way, why does God allow things to happen? And then there's always that famous retort that most Christians will give you, we don't know, but you know, it's God's way and you can't question it. Well, you know, I don't know about that. And, and, you know, I, I I think you should question it. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's extraordinarily important. And, And the same thing about with these entities, whoever they are and whatever they are they take these actions, um, that affect us. Some are good. Some are not so good. You know, do we hold them accountable? Should we hold them accountable? I think yes. But I mean, how do you do that? Well, first of all, you got to find out what the hell it is. Um, and, um, and that's going to be extraordinarily difficult because I don't think the government or governments are set up for that. Um, we certainly are in the private sector. I mean, the goal of TTS, when we first started, was to start, and I, I explained this to government people at the time, you don't own this topic. Um, uh, and the idea that we're going to wait for you to tell us what this is, is, I think, absurd. Uh, you know, yeah, they appear over, you know, fighter carrier task groups and and over nuclear sites and military installations. Of course they do, but they appear everywhere else, too. You know, they appear to normal citizens and they cause a lot of grief. And um, so, you know, the answer really is let the government do what the government needs to do. And hopefully they'll tell us something. Um, But I'm not holding my breath. The goal of TTS was to come out and try to figure this out in a private way. And we were hoping that there'd be enough people who would be willing to do this along with us. But it turns out there weren't. This is a very small niche. I have friends, you know, that were over the other night, you know, and very well-educated people, doctors, you know, and CIA guys and all the This is, they, this doesn't resonate with them at all, at all. And, uh, and most of my friends, you know, highly educated, it doesn't resonate at all. It's just not on anybody's big list. You know, they find it interesting. They find it interesting that I'm involved in it, but you know, they don't ask any pertinent questions. Uh, they have their lives to live and they go off and live them. So. We're a very, very small group.
1: It's been a tough few years for many of us, juggling a lot that life has thrown our way. As someone with a young family, finances have never been more important, especially with the soaring cost of living day-to-day. That's where Credit.com can help. There is a way you can begin to take back some control of your financial situation. Extra Credit is a product from Credit.com that gives you unmatched credit coverage. You might have checked your credit score on a free app then when trying to make a purchase on credit, like a car, found it wasn't quite what you expected. Extra Credit from Credit.com gives you access to all 28 FICO scores to see exactly what lenders will see. Extra Credit not only gives you access to those 28 FICO scores, but also helps guard your identity with $1 million ID insurance, dark web scans, and data breach alerts. Plus, you can get cash rewards for selecting personalised offers. As someone who as a student racked up a lot of debt, I can relate to having to rebuild my credit score as an adult. There's no better time to do this than now the past can't be changed but you can begin to rebuild your future today to sign up for extra credit go to credit.com forward slash that ufo and get started there to sweeten the deal you can even get the first seven days absolutely free it's just $24.99 plus tax a month after the free trial you can cancel any time so go check out extra credit today and start working on your credit goals We are small, but we are many. Uh, I think for many of us, like for me, I had a sighting when I was a child with with a group of people that really spurred on my lifelong interest in the UFO subject. Even though before that, I loved mysteries like the pyramids of Egypt and the Loch Ness Monster being from Scotland, all that kind of stuff. But you have had your own experiences, like you say, with your wife, which you've kept very private. Before I ask just a question on that. Did you have a long standing interest in the u f o topic before those experiences, or was it a casual interest?
0: It wasn't even casual. I didn't really know too much about it until the uh, the the uh, incident um i uh, uh I wasn't familiar with with any of it actually I, I was familiar with it in a sense that yeah it was out there i mean my my interest had always been um you know studying the occult. And by that, just secret knowledge, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, you know, mystery schools, uh, mysticism in general um, uh, that started off with uh, with, you know, my uh, in in undergrad and then graduate school in the uh, American romantic uh, literature and then the British, uh, you know, uh, romanticism, uh, you know, Shelley Wordsworth Keith and what they were trying to do. And then, you know, that would lead you through the Germans and the German romanticism and then all this kind of stuff. And it was fascinating. And then that leads you to theosophy and it leads you to all different kinds of things. And I always found that to be interesting because it's a, it's a part of reality that we don't really spend a lot of time with. Uh, but I thought, wow, but these are the hard questions, you know, that people are discussing. I, when I had my experience, it, you know, I, I didn't know what it was about until I talked with an agency officer who to this day I don't know his real name he was a interesting guy deep cover guy and uh, um, and we were working together and I told him what had happened and he he had a very strong interest in, in uh, UAPs at the time and he's the one who turned me on to uh, you know Jock Vallée that's the first thing he said he said write down the names of these books you know so I immediately went to Barnes and Noble you know that evening and bought them all and that began my journey, and that was early in ninety two ninety three so I had a pretty firm background in weird stuff you know uh and uh and uh, but once I got into this, everything changed and then uh during my career, I would bounce up against this uh, numerous times uh uh two times I was offered to i was offered a chance to get involved. Both times I turned it down, uh, and it, it was never brought up again. In other words, you know, it was it was done in a, an unusual way. I don't want to get into it too much,
1: but um, can I just check? What do you I mean? I
0: wasn't, I wasn't prepared for it, to be honest with you. I just wasn't prepared for it.
1: Do you mean you were anyway. offered offered to get involved in the UFO study within within government? Is that what you were offered?
0: Uh, you know, I, I I don't know for sure, simply because some people heard my story. I had told my story to some people in the agency and in other parts and other areas of government, and they found it fascinating. And, you know, the word gets around and, you know, there was an invisible college uh, and there still is to a very large degree in, in, in intelligence agencies and throughout the DOD of people that are interested in this and they meet and they talk and they have their own informal conversations. Uh, I became uh, not a member of, of that, um, but sort of an outside member sort of sticking my nose in. And every once in a while, you know, somebody who knew things would come up to me and say, look, if you're really interested, I can put you in touch with so-and-so and so-and-so. And knowing what I did know about uh, about the agency at that time, you, you you know, everything is secret, right? And everything you have to protect. And there came a point, particularly towards the end of my career, I didn't want to know anything anymore. I mean, I people would come into my office and say, okay, we got, a, I got a top secret program, I want to talk to you about it. And there's two versions of it. There's the, you know, we'll, we'll give you the the sort of the you know, outline of what it is, and then we'll, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes telling you that, and then we'll get into the really in-depth structures of how this thing works. And towards the end of my career, I was just telling these people, I, no, you, you give me, give me the 15-minute, I'm not interested in the two-hour, I don't want to know. I I don't want to know. I mean, I had too much on my head when you're, when you're in the intelligence business, you know, I I would read the New York times and the Washington post every morning, usually the financial times and the um, wall street journal. And then always, you know, the economist and these were really good magazines and and newspapers because you had to stay abreast what was going on. That was part of being an intelligence officer. You just had to know what was going on in the world. And you can't, it's hard, it becomes hard to discern sometimes when you're talking to somebody about stuff like this, you'd be like, what the hell did I read that? Did I read that in a classified study or did I actually read that in a really good issue of the New Yorker where they were talking about, <laughs> 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 and, by, and, I, and and you know, once you've been involved for like 25 years, you go, oh my God, I can't make that distinction completely. So you just don't talk. So I, I, you know, and a lot of people are like that, you know, in in the intelligence, they don't want to know, there's a need to know. And if you don't have an absolute need to know. You know, I always told people, there's a problem, contact me, then we we can we can discuss it, you know, but right now, you know, go with God, do what you need to do. And, uh, and then keep me posted, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, you've been very open to say that you have had that experience in 1992 with yourself and your wife. And um, out of respect, I'm not going to ask you to go into detail. That's something you've said before you're going to do potentially if and when the time is right. You did mention that you shared the, the details at a think tank presentation around six months ago. Yeah. And, and what I would like to know is, one, what was the, the audience makeup? You know, was it academics, scientists, et cetera? And also, what was their reaction to the telling of yours and your wife's experience?
0: Um, The makeup, it was a very small group, you know, probably around 20, 20 some people. Um, um, I think if I, if I gave you the list of the people that were there, you would know them, all of them, uh, or pretty much all of them. Um, I would say two thirds of them were experiencers. And um, that was really why the group was put together Uh, a good many of them were scientists or academics, uh, some from the defense industry, uh, journalists, um, all with a very, very serious interest in this topic. And it was, it was really, um, the first time I ever met with a group of like-minded people like to call fellow travelers. Uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, were authors, very well-known authors and, um, uh, uh, I, my wife and I actually gave the presentation, and uh, my wife's a psychologist, and uh, uh, we went through, you know, everything. We had a bunch of slides, and this is where we lived. This is where it happened, you know, and and things along those lines, and then, and then sort of telling the story uh, chronologically, and then picking up uh, into uh, after some government people found out about it in twenty. I think at fourteen or fifteen, and then when you know Jock came to my house and you know and interviewed us, and then what followed after that was really a um, baptism by fire, um, uh, where people would uh, people talk to me about it in, in a classified setting, and that's and and that's what what shook me up. Um, it just shook me up. And, um, and it it wasn't like they said, it wasn't, you know, that, oh, you know, here's pictures of UFOs and here's these aliens. It was nothing, nothing like that. It was really having very serious conversations about the nature of the phenomenon, um, serious classified examples of what happens when you investigate it, um, as you know, uh, everybody knows it was no secret that CIA was interested in parapsychology and, and, um, the, the quote unquote weird for many, many years. Um, so when you start hearing, you know, the results of those, um, uh, investigations and assessments, uh, and you realize that, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, uh, what Jacques Vallée is talking about is very, very real. And, um, and they started explaining to you, you know, here are the classified experiment that happened, blah, 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 blah. And this is what resulted. Uh, wow. You know, it put, it, it shook me up. I have to tell you, it really shook me up. And it wasn't so much that the information shook me up. It was, it was a fact that so many people were, were interested in, in it and then the ramifications of what, what it meant. And, and to me, I mean, it was plainly obvious that, you know, our reality is extremely restricted uh, how we view things and see things. I mean, we live in a, we're living, most of us live in this little dreamland. And I think it was T.S. Eliot who said, mankind cannot bear too much reality. I think that was one of his later poems, I think four quartets, but I'm not hundred percent sure. But, and I think what he meant by that is, is in, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I was hearing all this stuff i don't want to know some of this stuff I don't want to know that that there is a um an element of our reality that is that can be intrusive that can be controlling and that can um um anytime it wants to act uh for whatever purpose it seems to have uh in other words you know we're we don't have any choice, you know, and this goes back to the idea of sovereignty, free will. And when you understand that, and when you you realize that that is actually the case, um, you immediately also realize that your place in the universe is a little bit different than you thought. I mean, we all live our lives. I mean, I, I live my life just like most people, right? I get up in the morning, I shave and I take a shower and I I read the newspapers and uh, I do, you know, the things I need to do, work around the house, you know, I go out, you know, and I, I you know, lunch with a friend or whatever the story is. I spend my time, you know, in my, my little, uh, my little library here, you know, reading things along those lines and I go out to dinner. None of this stuff, you know, is, is really, um, you know impinging on me all the time and it's not something that's constantly there but it is always there it it's it's always there it's always in the back of my mind um and i think there'd be something wrong with you if you weren't a little afraid because you know it's the dark it's a void i i don't know i don't know i mean we the, the good news is it's been around since prehistory and we're still here uh, I mean, it hasn't wiped us out. I, I don't think. I think CIA came up with that conclusion too back in the forties. Like, look, yeah, this shit's probably real, but but we can't figure it out. But it appears it's not. It's not. You know, it's not making any effort to destroy anything. Right? Um, there are very, very few instances where people have actually, you know, uh, died, uh, and we don't even know if that was even intentional on on the part of the um, uh, of the uh, phenomenon. All we do know is that you know it's there, it happens, it exists, and when you see the evidence of it, and when you see particularly how it affects people, and you see sort of the classified evidence of that, or at least HIPAA restricted evidence, it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it's it's it you know you you can't help thinking about it, you can't help wondering. Uh, this is why like people who tell me like, oh, this is this is how the world works. You know, my answer is you don't know how the world works. You have no clue how the world works. Please, please don't tell me that. So I, I, I mean, I respect religion very, very much. And I understand the need why people want it and hear it. And, you know, when they, and they have it, you know, I was, I was religious myself for a while, uh, but then you realize, no, nah, that's not, um, you know, that's, that's not the answer, at least for me, it wasn't, it may be for other people, I don't know.
1: I I often think, Jim, that when you see the clamor for for knowing the full truth online, that if there was that that agent X who could invite you into a room and say in the next five minutes, I'm going to give you the full UFO um, truth and the mysteries of the universe and tell you the meaning of life. And at the end of that five minutes, you've got the option to take the blue pill and leave the room knowing what you know, or you take the red pill and forget what you've been told. I think 99.9% of people would take the red pill and choose to forget what they've just been told because it would just be so overwhelming and so much weight to go on with that, yeah, we've got that curiosity, but there no doubt is a very scary element to all of this because there is so much unknown.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that exactly right. And I, I think you said it way better than I did. Um, um, I remember where I used to have uh, uh, conversations uh, with Chris Mellon, uh, you know, on this uh, topic and then Lou and then Tom and actually everybody, Hal. And uh, when TTS was, was just formed, TTSA was just formed. And, and the, uh, the, the, the arguments would always, always go like, you know, really, you know, what we're going to be doing now, we've all made the decision to go out and do this. We're not going to argue about whether this is real with anybody. We know it's real. All of us knew it was real. I mean, we're not going to argue with it. All we're going to do is try to figure out what it is. But one of our one of our uh, group, who, who wasn't a member of TTSA, but a, a very esteemed colleague, I at, pointed out that you understand that when you do this, I mean, you're throwing out an idea. That is really frightening, and it's not only frightening to adults; it can be very frightening to children. Um, and you know, and I thought about it, and I, I would have these, you know, hand-wringing moments. And I remember Chris Mellon said to me once um, during a conversation, and he said, "Jim, he said, you know, it's the truth. What the hell are you supposed to do with that?" And he was right. And and uh, in the end, he was. I think he's right. You, you you can't hide it. You can't you can't ignore it. You can't push it aside. You have to meet it head on. And, um, and I think at that point is, is and another thing I decided, well, yeah, okay, this is the path we need to take. We need to clear the air. We need to get it out there. And I've spoken with good people in the government at very high levels and telling them, look, we're going to do this. We're not going to drop any classified bombs. We're just not going to do that. But, you know, we are going to talk about this. We are going to take this private the best way we possibly can. Now, much to our chagrin and, and, you know, and disappointment, we, we, did not get the reception we thought we would get from the public. I mean, we have a lot of people like you and, you know, in the community who were basically, you know, saying, you know, fair forward, go ahead. This is great. we love it. And then we also had our naysayers. Oh, this is a government operation and all this kind of crap, you know, and that was so ridiculous. I mean, didn't know how to respond to it. They just didn't know how government works. If they knew how government works, they never would say such such things. But, um, uh, but it's a very small group and, and it's not enough. And we're not wealthy. None of us are, uh, at least not wealthy enough to put, you couldn't put enough money in. I mean, we would bankrupt poor Tom. Tom's already put a, you know, a lot of money into this, you know, his own money. And, uh, finally we just said, Tom, you can't, you can't do this. Cause it's, 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 you, it's more money than you have. We need, right. And, and, uh, and, and we need a really, well-structured organization with funding to coming in to look at this and we actually need to have more than just you know us academics looking at this. we need a worldwide effort and we need it to be interactive um we have to bring as many people as in as we can we have to fund projects at different universities around the world um uh, we have to bring in religious organizations, uh, psychological organizations. We have to bring in academia, scientists, that, you know, because this is a, a a problem, a phenomena that, you know, is layered uh, um, with different um, academic disciplines. I mean, they're all involved in this. And so what do you do? You can't ignore any of them, um, including the religious community. I mean, I think probably the most important in some respects um, uh, to bring in to this. So.
1: Now, you're uh, an experiencer, you've got a lot of experience in being an experiencer, is a really poor way of putting it, Um, but there are people who contact myself regularly, and others online, who say they are having all sorts of experiences with non-human entities, non-human intelligences. I've never had that. I've had sightings of, of UFOs pretty close up, but I've never had that experience like many have. What would you say to those people who are having these experiences, potentially uncomfortable ones, that they want this process to hurry up so they can find help what can they do now and what is your advice to them that's a very
0: good question i get uh contacted probably once or twice a week by people experiencers who've either had positive experiences or in some negative and, and some of them are very worrisome um and the problem is I, I I I can't do too much. I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I live where I live and they live maybe halfway around the world or halfway across the country. <clears throat> I can't jump in a car and come back. And even if I did, I, you know, looking out of my, I said, I don't have the capability to spend all my time investigating your case. And even if I did, I am not a UF, UAP researcher by any stretch of the imagination. I usually refer them to MUFON. Or another organization that you know could possibly help them, or refer them to some literature and books that may be helpful to explain it to them. When I do tell them, though, in the end, is it's rare, very rare, that this is going to damage you uh, physically, and it, it, the only way it could damage you psychologically is if you allow it to. Um, um, uh, there are uh, there there is one organization, uh, Stuart Davis, as a wonderful organization. I think it's called the Experiencer Group. I hope I'm not murdering that, but he is an, an extraordinary smart guy. And it's basically for a group of people that having a hard time, you know, uh, uh, working, uh, with, with the experiences that they've had. And he has some pretty good protocols. I think that, uh, are very helpful. Uh, and, uh, look up his name, Stuart Davis, and, um, um, and you can join his organization as you know, I think it's incredibly cheap i think like 10
1: bucks or something i don't know I've, what to do. i've hosted a few of them on the podcast to tell their stories and, and have that in the past well, then, so, um, yeah you know I, yeah
0: i, I yeah i always recommend uh stewart uh you know his group to people who are having a hard time um i am in touch with some people do i do have a long-term relationship with and i have had uh chris chris bledsoe um uh his new book will be coming out hopefully in the uh, late fall early winter uh I've been asked to write the introduction and I'm honored to do that uh, for him. Uh, I find his experience to be um, really one of the classics of the 20th century um, uh, just encompasses so much. And it, it's it's done wonders for him as a human being. Uh, I consider him one of the nicest beings on the planet. So he, pro- But people told me he was like that before the experience. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, yeah.
1: Yeah, his book is UFO of God, and people can go to ufoofgod.com to, to check that out and pre-order it, and before any listeners get in touch, I am in the queue for an interview with Mr Bledsoe Sr. Um, I was in touch with Chris, and he said, here's the details, so... That one will hopefully happen near the time, so don't worry about that one, folks. Um, We've talked a lot about experiences, the maybe more spiritual side of the phenomenon so far. I want to touch on the nuts and bolts aspect of the phenomenon as we go on, Jim. We've heard over and over about events like the Nimitz, Princeton, the Omaha, the Russell, where we have these objects, tic-tacs, spheres, cubes inside of spheres that are coming into contact with these kind of carrier groups and pilots. All, all of these seem to be that the, the US Navy are, are being observed by whatever these UAP are because we don't hear too too much anyway about direct contact or being engaged in any threatening way. Do you think that these objects at large are observing as a species what we are? That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more.